Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from the Channel Seed Studios. Channel Seed Studios. This is Jared and Jabo and Iowa everywhere. Where? Jared Stansberry. Jared Stansberry. Jordan Bohannon. Jordan Bohannon. Together on Iowa everywhere. Channel Seed. Seedsmanship at work. Welcome to the podcast. Recording on a Thursday morning, June fifteenth, two thousand twenty-three. What's up, Jordan Bohannon? Hi, Jared Stansberry. What's going on, man? Dude, every time I just read your name, Jar- Jared Stansbury, it should be. Not Barry. Getting tired of it. I I still think that that's actually what it is, but I think people just start, they don't actually pronounce it that way. Oh, it's we actually able, pronounced that way? I would, admit, I would assume so, yeah. What do you mean I, assume so? It's your name. Well, I, I haven't done like a genealogical deep dive. So you just decided it's Barry, not Burry? Somewhere along the line, someone decided that. It wasn't me. Mm, you could be that generation. I could be the ones to set it right. Set it, I could be. That you could be me. A movement here with your whole bloodline. <laughs> get the thing going. We're going to get this thing turned around and get the ship righted again. Uh, and get it back to the old days, back to what the ancestors, what, what my forefathers intended. I think, I think that's what your ancestors would want. I think you're probably, I, I think that my ancestors couldn't give a shit less. That's why, <laughs> that's why it is what it is now. That's your name, Jared. I think they care a little bit. Yeah, they might. They might. Uh, lots to get to on today's podcast. First, though, uh, the U.S. Open getting underway today. Uh, Want to remind everybody that the best place to bet the, United, the U.S. Open is on Circus Sports uh, and the Circus Sports Iowa app. Uh, you can download that on any of your app stores on uh, Google Play or, or the Apple App Store. Uh, who, who are you picking to win the U S open? I know you're the golf guy here. Yeah. Well, I got to go with my boy, Alex Shockey, my friend qualified for the U S open. How cool of a feat is that? That's like literally he's chasing his dream. That's so inspiring. My, my boy, Alex, I'm wishing you the best today. Um, I'm putting my money on Alex. I don't know. He, I think he what might you, be like plus 2000 odds, but what, I was gonna say, odds, what do you think his odds are? I would say probably around there, maybe more. I would I'd pull it up. Tournament already started, but it's not too late to be able to bet on uh, bet on it. They've got the tournament matchups. They've got first round matchups. Uh, they've got all kinds of things that you can get on there and bet for the U.S. Open on the Circus Sports Iowa app. Uh, man, that that'd be crazy if someone like just came out of nowhere and won one of those majors, though. I would. I mean, that that's what makes these majors so much fun. Like the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship with Michael Block uh, a couple weeks ago. That's what made it so much fun. Like the guy that really might not have should have been been there and he just came out of nowhere and you know obviously he didn't uh he didn't win yeah yeah he didn't win but you have those moments for those kinds of people that are on that stage and they they realize like damn they actually kind of belong my cousin has played in the pga championships like 
like that guy. He's a really? a, pro, a golf pro in Fort Dodge. Yeah, and that's oh, what. Yeah. And he's played in that a couple times, I think. Yeah, that has to be so. I can't, I can't imagine how nerve wracking that first tee shot is when you're playing in a major championship as an amateur or a first coming pro. Because I can just think back back to high school when I'd be on the first tee. Dude, that ball would be sprayed everywhere. I'd be hitting houses. I'd be in backyards. I'm in bunkers. I'm, I have a fried egg in a bunker. Like, it's just nonstop all over the place. So, I can't I imagine went, that. I went golfing on Saturday for the first time this year. You uh, did? I did. I did. I bought six balls in the, in the, uh, in the uh, clubhouse before we went out. They were all gone by the time that I got through the first nine. I had to go buy the first morning. nine. Yeah, dude, I don't play golf. Yeah, through the first nine. You know what's crazy to think about? Like that ball, you lost like literally like dollar, two dollars every time you hit lost the ball. Basically, golf's an expensive sport, dude. It is on top of golf clubs, green fees, cart fees, beer fees. Well, the beer isn't isn't a necessity. You could play without the beer. You can, but it makes it better. It's, that's why it's called birdie juice, right? The more you right. drink it, the more you're prone to get in a birdie. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> you found a new sport that you uh, have found a, a newfound love for here. What was this over the weekend? You went fishing for the first time in your life. I'm, 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 I'm be honest here, Jared. I, I never caught a fish in my life. We've got a, we've got pictures of this, of your and... first ever fish. That's this, not the first one, right? Is this the second? That's not one? the first one, but okay. What a good size bass that is, right? Yeah, that's a good looking bass, dude. That is a good looking bass. I'm trying to find the right thing so that I can put it up on the screen. There it is. That's a good looking bass. You caught that off of the dock, you said. I caught that off the dock in Okaboji. That I mean, with a, just a tiny. I mean, it was not a tiny fishing pole, but it's a it's a good size rod. Did you just use a a worm? No, that's with the lure. Okay. Yeah. I'm See, impressed. I'm all these terms too. I'm impressed, dude. I'm impressed by your uh, fishing prowess. Thank you. I once. I think. Uh, I think I found a new new passion. You're right. I am very addicted to fishing. I was out there for four hours yesterday, just off the dock, casting my my line. And with this, you can't blame the. You know, it's not like golf. You can blame your clubs. Go buy a new putter. Like your putting's going to be fixed. You know, you don't just need to go buy a new rod. Like you can blame the fish. Then the fish just aren't biting today. Yeah, they, they weren't biting yesterday. Sadly, I caught a like a one little tiny pumpkin. I don't know what they're called. Sunshine, sunshine fish, maybe. Sunfish, yeah. Sunfish. Yeah, I caught one of those little little effers yesterday. <laughs> uh, I went sturgeon fishing one time. Ooh. Do you know what sturgeon are? No. They're they're they like live on the bottom of the ocean and when so i was in oregon and we were fishing on the columbia river and when it gets to uh when the tides are i can't remember if it's when the tides are higher or when they're lower but they come in on the river and then they'll float around on the bottom of the river and you use like we used shrimp as our bait mm -hmm. and dude these things are huge they can be like seven feet long and seven feet yeah these are like 100 plus pound fish how, how, do you, how big is your rod then like what do you use? oh huge dude yeah i mean it's like it this is legit technology here my cousin is a is a guide on the columbia river he takes people out and goes they go trout fishing they go like for everything you know like legit deep sea type fishing stuff so he had the legitimate stuff uh but we're catching these big ass fish dude and these and seals 
So like in Oregon, seals and sea lions are like deer to us in Iowa, you know, like they just chill on the coast and just kick it, but they'll circle around your boat and wait for you to catch something so that they can take it off of your hook and, and eat it. How smart are they? Well, clearly very smart, but they were endangered and now they're protected. So now they're like, they're like varmints, you know, like they, they like cause issues around the towns that are on the coast because they're just always come in and, and kick it and they want to eat all the fish that people catch. And you can't kill them, right? No, I don't think you can. No. Wow. I knew like seals were pretty abundant. I went to California, like seals were everywhere. Yeah. Last, this last April. They're smart. They seem to be really smart if they just wait around and wait for that fish to be caught. Oh, that's exactly what they do. Like, and you, like, those are wild ass animals. You know, they're kind of scary. Honestly, you get up close to them. Like they're big. They're a lot bigger than what you would think when you're up close. And they're slippery. Like you can't really hold on to them if you get in a fight. No, I think that if you got into a fight with a sea lion, you'd probably be in trouble. You don't on the bright side, you could run away though. On the bright side, you could run away unless they like flip your boat or something. Could you run away though? If you're in the water? Well, no, if you're in the water, you're probably screwed. Yeah. It's probably over at that point. You you don't think you'd take a sea lion out? No. Those are like several hundred pound animals. Yeah. Well, we're several hundred pound animals too. You're, you're a big fellow over there. We don't, we don't have those sharp teeth like they do though. Like if they latch onto one of your legs, you're done for They're bite. They're eating your foot, dude. Are they that sharp? I would imagine. So they eat, they eat other, they eat these sturgeon that are like dinosaurs on the bottom of the ocean. Okay. So what, what, what would be a better idea or uh, a scenario here? You fighting a sea lion or you fighting a pack of those sturgeons? probably fighting a pack of sturgeon because i just i don't think that they have the same kind of taste yeah they're also not near as they're not it's it's just different you know like they're fish still obviously not massive things like with paws and like all that kind of stuff you know yeah but i bet those fish have teeth i would imagine right if they're that big oh yeah yeah they're huge they're like little sharks yeah okay so you're gonna you'd rather fight a sea lion over a pack of sharks well, I didn't say that they are sharks. I said they're like little sharks. Oh, like little sharks. Yeah. I don't know. I I would prefer to probably come across neither one of them in a battle. I don't know. If I give like a quick little pop to the forehead of a sea lion, I think he's going to swim away. <laughs> he's like, a, is that what you're supposed to do a shark? You're supposed to pop him real quick in the head? Pop him on the nose? Yeah. I would prefer to never get that close to a shark to find out what I'm supposed to do in a situation where I'm where I've encountered a shark. I don't mean this in a bad way. Like I know there's been people that died in shark attacks. There's probably going to be one today. Like I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> like it's just percentage wise, it's going to happen. But if that's the way you go out, man, like how badass you died from a shark. And I'm sure your family's going to be right. And like he, he fought his ass off. He bopped him in the head. The shark just wasn't budging. The shark just had really sharp teeth and was hungry. That's just the way to go. But in all things in life, like that's why not. I hope that if I ever get eaten by a shark, you would make it your goal in life to, to bring that shark down. That would be one of the things it's like, everybody's like, you know what? We can't stand. If Jared can't live, then neither can this shark. Dude, if you got eaten by a shark, I would be like the, uh, 
happy Gilmore scene where the guy comes back with the, with the alligator that took his caddy or the golf instructor's hand. Yeah. It took Chubbs hand. Yeah. yeah it took Chubbs. That would, that would be me. I'd bring it back to your family and lay it like knock on the door or ring the doorbell. And I'd lay the shark on the porch and be like, this was for Jared. And I'm all wet. I'm drenched. I have shark blood all over me. I, yeah. There's seaweed in my ha- hair. I'm showing up to the porch. It'd be an extraordinary day. I I think I would go down. I wouldn't go down without a fight. I'd take at least one of that those sharks' eyeballs, for sure. Oh, just like yeah. Chubbs did. Yeah. Put a little mason jar. Yeah. Right in right in my pocket. Your, yeah. yeah. Or pocket. Ooh. Isn't that what he did? He kept it. Didn't he keep it? And he like carried it around. Oh. <laughs> you got my hand, but I got his eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah oh man uh all right we do have other stuff to talk about today besides fighting sharks uh omaha blue one of the finalists for a spot on the united states junior national u19 team uh they are going to play in the feeble world u19 feeble world cup coming up later this month i think that they have one more roster cut left i think they have four down to 14 started at 30 down to 18 down to 14 uh the final roster will be set at 12 uh, what, what do you think that that experience for can be for Omaha? How much do you think that he can gain from that? Just being able to go through this process of being around these guys, being around guys that have obviously played college basketball already and putting your talents to the test. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously it's a huge accomplishment just to have the invite to go there and on top of making a cut, I think, I think it's kind of over hyped on the fact of making, I, I guess I don't want to say overhyped. I guess overhyped on the fact of him using this to get ready for college in, in a, an aspect because AAU is pretty much mm-hmm. U.S. is so dominant and top players in the world that it's not really going to help him competing against other players around the world, right? You get what I'm saying? So right. I think that the idea of him playing with the, uh, the top players is great just to see what it's like to be the top player in the United States and be at that level when he gets back to Iowa state on on campus. But I mean, from the aspect of him getting ready for college, I think, you know, he's had enough experience to be at this level, to be a dominant player. It's just, this is just a cherry on the top. Really. It's not really that it's not going to be a huge difference from him. If he w- wasn't going to make the team compared to what was make the team for Iowa state in the future. I think regardless of who is on the team, Iowa State or not Iowa State, the United States, the resounding fa- uh, favorites to win the the U nineteen FIBA World Cup, they open pool play uh, the last week of June. They play Madagascar in oh, their opener, sh- and then they play Serbia. We know Serbia's got some hoopers, but the problem is that I feel like anybody that's playing for Serbia's U nineteen team probably just didn't make the cut for the senior national team because like. I feel like most of their good players by the time they're 19 probably are in position to play for the senior national team. Uh, and then Lebanon, they'll finish oh, cool play against Lebanon. The average point difference, United States, they're going to win by 50 plus each game. <laughs> 50 plus. It's really funny when uh, the women play in the FIBA U19, U18, dude, they'll win like 130 to 26 against Nicaragua. Yeah. You know? it's crazy i didn't even think these countries had like players i don't want to mean that in a bad way but players good enough to play turns out there's more than just lions and zebras and lemurs in madagascar well and the movie madagascar too i thought that was only well that's what i'm saying the yeah oh is that what you're referring to yeah that's what i was referring to yeah yeah went right over my head didn't understand that one 
but no, yeah. I, I think, I think it's a great experience for him. He's going to, is there another cut or is that the cut to make the team? Yeah, there's one more cut there uh, to get that, get it down to 12. I would be really surprised if he didn't make the cut from everything I've heard. He's been one of the best players out there, which obviously yeah. to be in the final 14, you got to be one of the best players out there. But uh, I would be very surprised if he's not on the team representing the U S out there. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously he's a really, really highly skilled, talented player and he's very excelled compared to other people in his age group. So I would be surprised if he didn't make the team, but Canada has to be like our main competition, right? In I feel the like they always are when they're younger kids, aren't they? Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have the closest thing to the basketball infrastructure that the United States does, you know, yeah. like they've European, got AAU teams and stuff. Yeah. Like European teams aren't, they have a good structure too. Like how they don't really have, like, I guess a really college setup for a lot of those players who go to college and get to their professional teams, but it's like all intermingled between their professional teams. So there's some guys that obviously you see in the NBA now, like some of these guys are all-stars are coming from these types of infrastructure, these types of structures in the European league. Like it can be very beneficial for some of these guys. Cause that's all they'll do is play basketball for high school all the way up to being able to be a professional. And some of these guys are professionals once they get to high school. The one that I remember is Ricky Rubio was playing when he was 16 playing yeah. for the Spanish senior national team in the, uh, in the Olympics when they playing were playing against, like, against the redeem team. Stuff, right? Yeah. I would say they played the redeem team in 2008 and he, I think he was 16 and like Rudy Fernandez was like 19 or something like that. And it was just, uh, it was crazy. Like just imagine being, a, not only being a professional basketball player at 16, but being a professional basketball player, who's good enough to represent your country in the Olympics on a good team. I can't imagine playing against that redeem team with when you're 16 years old like what the what the jitters would be like before the tip off you're like dude there's kobe bryant there's lebron james i'd be nervous to even walk in the locker room that's pal gasol <laughs> oh, yeah, that's Mark gasol. yeah i forgot about pal gasol is on the team too you know yeah. like you're looking there and you're like man these are like the best spanish basketball players of all time and now i'm here ricky rubio yeah. is one of them now you know spain, spain always has a really good senior team too Oh yeah. That's always our competition. I I'm interested to see the United States is putting together its FIBA senior national team team right now. Walker Kessler came out and said that he's going to play for uh USA yesterday. I think Brandon Ingram is maybe playing, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if Jokic plays for Serbia. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Or uh, if Doncic plays for Slovenia or any of those things, like they've got, there could be some good competition there. If the United States doesn't send one of its best teams. Yeah. I feel like the United States had kind of lost ever since. I mean, they just don't have a lot of the, what was it? The FIBA? What was last summer? They didn't have a lot of guys that commit to, was it the FIBA world cup? Yeah. This, the world, the world cup is this year. I can't what remember. Was it? it was qualifying last year. And I think they had Norris Cole leading the team. Yeah. He, he was like, like their best player. And I literally played it against Norris Cole for the G. <laughs> like, if we're, no offense to Norris Cole, great player and phenomenal player. Yeah. NBA he's, champion Norris Cole. Yeah. yeah he, but he's 38 years old. He just <laughs> probably not the best United States player to be sending. One of the worst ones ever was, I can't remember if it was like what year it was, 2019 or something like that, where we had the FIBA World Cup. And I think the United States got eighth because uh, we sent like the F team. You know, oh, and it was, it was one of those things where you're like, man, if we send this group to the Olympics, we're in trouble. And even then they sent 
a better group than that to the Olympics. And then they lost to Nigeria in the friendlies before the uh, Olympics even started. They yeah. had like Devin Booker though. And didn't they, wasn't Devin Booker on the team? Uh, which one? The USA team? When they lost to Nigeria, wasn't that? You, well, he How was on, was no, they did have a bunch of NBA players and then Mike Brown was their coach, but they didn't have, I don't think they had anybody that was Devin Booker big, you know, oh. like they did have some big names, but Oh, that's what, what year was it when they lost to, uh, the Australian team? That's when Devin Booker was on the team. I think that probably was in 2019. Yeah. 2019, yeah. 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 And that was a they good got, team they put together. That wasn't a terrible, awful. No, team. it wasn't horrible. It was a young team. If I remember yeah. correctly, I would have to go back here. I'll pull it up right now. 2019 FIBA world cup team. Well, it's just hard to get some of these players committed after. I mean, that NBA season's so long, right? Like some of these guys are getting done early may late may early june right like you can't blame anybody for being like yeah i don't want to play in that you know like yeah. it's like Jokic. like serbia obviously needs nikola Jokic to play in that if they have any hope of of winning or getting a medal or any of those kinds of things but like would anybody blame Jokic if he's like yo i want to spend some time with my family i just played until mid-june yeah. you know i don't blame any of those players like especially how grueling after i went through a g-league season like I want time with my family and friends and I can't imagine going through an NBA season all the way. All right. Through. Here was the 2019, uh, FIBA world cup team that finished, uh, what place did we get? Oh, it looks like, looks like the United States might've won. Mm. Am I, am I confusing myself? Oh no, they did finish seventh. Okay. Uh, Derek white, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Harris, Marcus Smart, Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Jesus, I had the whole Celtics out there. Okay, Mason well. Plumley, Miles Turner, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, and Kemba Walker. How many Celtics players is that? Is that three? Uh, one, two, three, four. Four? Yeah. Basically, the entire, uh, the entire core of the Celtics. made, And then Kemba, at that time, I think he might have even played for the Celtics. I mean, that's not a terrible, that's not a terrible roster, but... They shouldn't have gotten seventh with that with that roster. Not no. Think, At that time, though, I mean, you got to think too. Jason Tatum was twenty one. You know, like that was a pretty young. That was a pretty young roster. Jalen Brown was twenty two. Miles Turner was twenty three. Like that's a pretty young team. Yeah. But the, I mean, it says earlier candidates: Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, Mike Conley. Like it's all, all the guys that you would expect. You know, and they all declined. Yeah, they either withdrew or they got cut. It looks like Thaddeus, Thaddeus Young and Bam Adebayo were, were the only two players who got cut. Apparently, Thaddeus Young, where did, is he still in the league? Thaddeus Young, Young is playing. He is on the roster with the Toronto Raptors. Really? Yep. Wow. Some of these guys just find a spot, man. Like you just don't hear about them, but they're still getting that check. Well, it's, it's funny. I was watching the game the other night and, uh, Deandre Jordan came into the game, hadn't played a minute and had played 10 minutes in the entire postseason. Yeah. And he checks into the game and I was like, hold on. When did Deandre Jordan get added to this roster? Yeah. Like, where did this guy come from? And, it, and then all of a sudden he's sitting on the sidelines, chopping it up. And I'm like, NBA champion, Deandre Jordan. Here we go. Like I had yeah. no idea he was even on the team. Dude. I'm who did I play against? Uh, in Vegas, he was on the G League team. Tall guy that went to Kentucky. He was really, really good. Um, 
I'm spacing. Nerlens Noel. Damn. Willie Cauley Stein. Willie Cauley Stein. That's who it was. I'm walking out of the tunnel and we're about to play this showcase game in Vegas this past year. And I'm like, granted, this G League is nothing like college basketball for guys that don't understand the insight. Like, there's not really a scout. Like, you kind of just show up and play. Like, it's just like a showcase. Like, guys that are trying to get called up, basically. And we show up to this game. We have like a brief, like, scout. And I'm like, what do you call he Stein? There's no way he's on this team. I thought he was like an NBA starter. I thought he was still in the, in the league. I'm not, and I show up and granted and figure the first person I walk out with on their team, Willie Cully. So I'm like, dude, you played against my brother in the final four. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is absurd. I thought you were still in the league. I think he did sign a two, like a two way for a little bit, but. If you'd asked me if, uh, if Willie Cauley Stein was still in the league, I would have told you that he was still a member of the Sacramento Kings for right. all that I knew. Yep. That's what I thought. Not, he's not. All right, let's look at what we got here for this 2023 FIBA World Cup team. Mikhail Bridges is, has apparently committed to it. Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards. Ooh, Tyrese Halliburton. There we go. Uh, get the Cyclone in on there. Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson. This might be a good little team. This is going to be a young team too. Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis, Austin Reeves. Yeah, that's, that's the 10 that they've got so far. That's, that's going to really be a good team. team. That's going to be a young team, but that's going to be a good team. I feel like, are they like shifting now? Like, are they just not even asking the older guys anymore? Cause they'll just say no and just wanting it to be all younger guys. Is that I'm what sure they do about? for the, they'll ask some of those guys for the Olympics, but yeah. it's like Kevin Durant has how many, how many Olympics he played in three, four, you know, like some of those guys at this point, they're probably kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of over it. You know? Yeah. How does not it everybody's work? Carmelo Anthony that wants to play in every Olympics for 20 years. Yeah. He's, He's done, right? He just retired this year. Yeah, Carmelo retired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No more Olympic Melo. Love Melo, one of my favorite. Oh, he players. could he could still come back in twenty twenty four and give people buckets, and you already know, like oh, he could easy. sit out this next year. And Carmelo Anthony's like, oh, I'll play in the Olympics still. His kid's gonna be doing exactly what he did. I don't know how old his kid is, but I know his he's kid is a member of the twenty twenty five class. I saw that today. Keon. Yeah, yeah. Yep. he's gonna be shooting fadeaways, mid range fadeaways the entire game. Today is today's the first time that coaches can reach out to 2025 prospects. So I was like, just kind of keeping an eye on some of the names of guys that have come out. The other one that caught my night, my eye is Jermaine O'Neal Jr. Ooh, Jermaine O'Neal. Hopefully he's yeah. not exactly like his father, but why are you talking about the malice at the palace? Well, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't his fault, bro. That Ben Wallace started that Ben Wall Ben Wallace is the one that started the entire thing by, by committing a hard foul is, uh, is Ben Wallace Pistons Jr. Fans. Is Ben Wallace Jr. A person? Uh, ben Wallace Jr. Probably is a person and he'll probably be a fucking demon. Like he, he probably will be an absolute monster in the paint. I would be Jeez. shocked if he wasn't. So Ben Wallace Jr. Versus Jermaine O'Neal Jr. Is going to be an epic showdown. And Wallace son, Bryce Wall. There is a Ben Wallace Jr. Let's go. I wonder how old he is. He's probably already six, six, eight as a 12 year old. Yeah, probably. Probably. Uh, that it's so funny though. Like to see now the NBA has gotten so old that like it, it takes a while before you start to see like a lot of the kids come in, like the kids of former players. But now it's like every other guy that comes up is the son of a former player. Like right now, the number one, number two players in, uh, in 2024 are Carlos Boozer's kids. 
Ooh, you know? they're twins, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. They, well, we had uh, Gary Payton Jr.'s son was in the NBA. This, it wasn't his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else was it? Well, obviously, LeBron James' kid's going to be in the next couple of years. Both of them will be. Yeah. Bryce so, is going to be the better one. You think the so? The younger one. Yeah, I think so. Just from what I've seen of him, he's the taller one, you know. So like, I I feel like he'll be the one that's more like his dad than probably what Bronny is. I figured those kids would be. I don't know how tall Bronny is now, but I figured they would be like six eleven with their jeans. Bronny is probably what six four. Six foot three. Six three. I mean, how does that happen? Bryce Maximus is six foot four. This says. Oh. But he's in the 2025 class. I wonder who's reaching out to him today. I would imagine every single blue blood and every single school in the whole Western side of the States. Well, Bronny's recruitment was weird because I don't think that, I think it was really hard for coaches to be able to reach out to him. You know, like, I don't think people really even knew like if they wanted it to be involved in his recruitment because they're like, we don't even know who to talk to. You know, I don't know how much people even talk to the kid from what I understand. They uh, talks to other people a lot. And then he took visits. They would have to have some, well, I guess it's not necessarily legal. It have to be a certified agent that I would imagine they have like an agent for Bronny. Yeah, I like, think so. He's pretty popular on social media too. I would imagine he has an agency for social media. Oh, no doubt. Well, and then he's got endorsement deals with Nike and like all that stuff already. Like, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, he'll be just fine. Those those USC games are going to be appointment television next year, though, with him and some of the other guys that they brought in. Like that, those teams are that team's going to be really fun to watch. That'll they'll be play, one of the Pac-12 after dark. They'll be playing uh, next year. Wait, August? When when does he go to USC? This upcoming August? Yeah, this season. Yeah, this next season. Wait, so he's already there then? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I was going to say, well, if he stays two years, he'll play against Iowa probably. In what? For basketball. Oh, yeah, in the yeah in the tournament or in the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. good point. I would yeah, be very surprised if Brownie plays two years. <laughs> I know. There's no way, but imagine having Brownie James be coming into Iowa City, Iowa. He's got to go team up with Pops, man. Got to team up with Pops before so Pops can hang him up. I don't know. I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he stays two years. Maybe he does. That would be cool. That would be cool for him to come and play in Iowa City. Uh, that would certainly make for – that game would sell out instantly. The second oh, yeah. that they've got single-game tickets on sale, it's like everybody's like, yeah, I'm trying to go to that. Everybody would want to play USC. LeBron James is sitting courtside in a Carver Hawkeye arena, something I never thought would happen. Did you see – so they put out the Big Ten football schedules last week for the next two years. Did you see how much UCLA has to travel in their first yeah. year? 28,000 yeah. miles across the, during the whole season. But what did they say? It's not about money, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You're making a school like that travel 28,000 miles, dude. Not a chance. The majority of that has to be to go to Hawaii, though, I think. They do have to go to Hawaii or something like that. Yeah, but still, dude, like imagine just even the Big Ten. Imagine Maryland traveling. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly all the how it's structured for the divisions, but I mean, the, the amount of the Big Ten schools are going to have to travel if you just accumulate all the Big Ten schools traveling to the West Coast. Like, that's a lot of traveling for those guys. 
I saw they set it up to where no Big Ten, no current Big Ten school has to go to the West Coast twice in the same year. And I felt really bad for USC and UCLA. I was like, why did you agree to this? Yeah. Yeah. Like no one's got to go out here twice, but we don't, we don't give a shit where you guys have to go. You guys can go to East Piscataway, New Jersey, and then go to college park, Maryland the next week for all we care. The the big 10 teams probably want to go on the West coast. Oh, for sure. They want to get into Los Angeles and get that recruiting, uh, that recruiting exposure for sure. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. That 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 year is going to be bonkers for football, for especially in the Big Ten. It'll be weird. It'll be interesting to see for basketball, like how well they do, because that travel for basketball is going to be daunting. You know, I would imagine there's gonna, dude. There's gonna have to be some sort of like employment for these athletes once that happens. Like, how how can people stand, sit up and stand and, and say like? they can miss like three days of classes for traveling to the West coast. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cause I would think that they're going to have to do it in swings where it's like, okay, you're going to go play Purdue on Thursday and then you're going to play Indiana on Sunday. Yeah. But you're going to stay in Indiana the whole time, you know, and we're going to take you out of class on Wednesday. You'll miss Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then you'll have, you'll have to be with the team all day Saturday and then play another game on Sunday with two times with traveling twice and then flying back to Los Angeles somewhere in between. Logistically, I don't know how it's going to be possible. God, God bless the sweet soul. Whoever is the media or the medium guy or girl bringing all these schools together and the TV stations and trying to figure this out. Cause I know they've been working 19 hour shifts the past year. Oh, at least, at least, uh, want to remind everybody right now, one of our sponsors of the month here at, on Iowa everywhere, uh, is the hinterland music festival taking place just South of Des Moines and St. Charles, August 4th through the 6th, Bonnie Vare, Zach, Bryan, Maggie, Maggie Rogers. You know, we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, uh, Sylvan Esso, Noah Kahan, uh, Orville Peck, all kinds of great acts coming to central Iowa, just South of Des Moines, August 4th through August 6th. Uh, you can find more information, music and camping passes right now on sale at hinterlandiowa.com. Uh, this is going to be a great time. Highly recommend this for anybody that uh, is looking for something to do in early August. And uh, hopefully we'll have great weather and it won't be 10 billion degrees, even though I'm sure that it probably will be uh, by August 4th. I always say this, Jared. I rather have that issue of being really hot than really cold, right? Yes, 100%. Yes. Right. It's easier to cool down than it is to get warm. Like in the, you know, out like if you're out in the middle of the tundra. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd rather be, I'd rather be naked than fully clothed too. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you putting that mental image out there for everyone. That's <laughs> great. That's it's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, did get some news last week about the college football uh, new college football video game. We talked about this several weeks ago. Uh, the College Football Players Association is organizing a boycott of the 2024 EA Sports video game. Uh, this comes from On3. Justin Falsinelli helped build one of the top college football programs of the 2010s. Clemson's, okay, this is a whole thing about the, but he's the, the president of, or vice president of the uh, College Football Players Association. Um, and they are not impressed by the amount of money that it is you know reportedly going to be in this cash pool for athletes uh, somewhere around five million dollars, roughly five hundred dollars per player. Uh, he said, "Quote: 
all current players should boycott this deal. It is an opt-in deal, and they should not opt into it. It is just a ridiculously low amount of money. Given the context and the hype that surrounds this game, when we first heard the number, we're like, all right, that sounds low. Let's go figure out if it's low. And then started talking to guys, talked to some of my friends, some guys who are still playing in the NFL. So what are NFL players getting paid for Madden? And the numbers were given from 2019. It was disclosed that they got, I think, about $17,000. And then a current NFL player told us that he got a check for $28,000 this year for Madden. You should not participate in this. It is a simple cash grab just to get you for the lowest amount possible. And it's a it's one team partners and all these organizations that don't really represent the players' best interests. Uh, thoughts? A couple of weeks ago, we, when we briefed over this, I kind of alluded to the fact I thought I thought personally the dollar amount was kind of low, and um, I think the fact that players, if are able to come together here, they will be able to raise that amount drastically. I don't think it will go up too much because, I mean, let's face it, there's way more players evolved in college football than Madden. So Madden is going to get a way higher percentage, obviously, for the players. Um, Madden and college football are probably going to be similar on the aspect of sales for the game, but hard for, it's, it's going to be hard for me to see $17,000 being the right figure for a player, maybe someone that's a star player on their team and might be on the cover will be over 17,000 in that area. But I don't know. I, when we were talking about, it, I was thinking more like a thousand to 2000 would be the range for some of these players. I think I do think 500 is, is pretty low. I think it would be a lot of this could probably be resolved if they had more of a tier system. From what I've been able to gather, it feels like it feels more like the issue is that the, best players are not getting more money when like the, cause I, I still will maintain like, what's the value of the third string right tackle at yeah. Bowling green, you know, like, is that, is that even worth $500 to EA sports? Realistically, probably not, you know? So that's where it's hard. It's like, if maybe if there was some sort of escalator system or something that was in place that would allow those guys that are at the top to make more money, I would understand, but you do make a good point. We're talking about, a difference between 53 man rosters with 32 teams versus hundred plus man rosters for 133 teams, you know, two drastically different numbers, drastically different types of pools of players that are being in this situation. I would find it very hard to believe that anyone is going to make $28,000 off of this game. No, I don't, I don't think it would be close to that, but I think the fact that college football, well, first off, before I say that, I think, your point made about tier system is something that they I'm curious to see how they're going about this boycott. If their conversation with EA sports is to that level, or they just want more money altogether. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if they were going to the fact that what you just said, the tier level, that would make the most sense, right? Like starters would get a certain amount starters at like power five conferences, get a certain amount, you know, then third strings, all the backups get a certain amount at different types of schools. I think that's the best way to go about it and making the most fair. But again, anytime you start talking about compensation with, in you know, I'm in America, right. There's, it's not going to be fair. So hard for me to believe they're not, they're not going about the whole debate about wanting a general compensation. I would imagine they would be that a little more smarter. And I just, I think too, it shouldn't be lost that there are not very many opportunities that exist where every college football, every division one college football player in America has an opportunity to make $500. Yeah. 
like I understand that there's there might be some people who have to take less money for like the good of the greater whole. But this to me is one of those things where it's like everyone has an opportunity. Why would we try and deny that from some of these people that like they might really need that five hundred dollars, you know? And so like I get it, but I also sit there and I'm like, man, this is a chance for everyone to make some money. Why would you why would we not want everybody to have an opportunity to make some money when so few of those opportunities exist where everybody of this scale can be able to get something. They could be pushing the more I think about it, they could be pushing the boundaries a little bit here, right? Because, you know, the, the, the amount of times we've talked about, like how much power these players have now, they're, they're starting to realize it. they're starting to speak up a little more. They're starting to understand that, you know, without them, there is no product. So they could be, and granted, I, I love how they're coming together and trying to figure everything out. I think that's what it should be like in college athletics. Um, I totally lost my train of thought, but I think, I just the, don't I think know, the, I, yeah, I think where you're going, I don't know how much leverage they have here. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. That, yes. I, I don't understand exactly where they're trying to get from this because there's only so much games that will be sold. Right. Like there's right. not, there's, it's not going to be something extraordinary amount that's never been heard of in video game history. Like it's going to be something within the boundaries that they have estimates of that probably the college football associate player association probably knows and seen the numbers. Um, maybe they're trying to ask for seven fifty, like a extra, you know, a few million dollars, mm-hmm. um, that they're doing generally, but like I said, I think tier is the only way to go about it. If they're really wanting to debate this and boycott it. Yeah. And I think that yeah, EA and everybody has made it pretty clear that they're trying to do right by everybody. You know, like if it felt like they were doing this in bad faith, then that might be one thing, but I feel like they've made, I mean, they delayed the game a year because they were trying really hard to make sure that they could do this the right way, you know, and be able to compensate people appropriately. So that's where I, that's where I have an issue. Like, I just have a, I struggle to understand like where it's coming from is because it's like, I, I don't know what answer there is here for you that you're going to like, you know, like there isn't an endless pool of money here to be able to, uh, to be able to bring this stuff from. And we got to remember video making video games is expensive as hell. Like it's a, an expensive endeavor to do with the number of people that you need to be able to do it the number of resources that you need just to be able to create these games. Like it's an expensive thing. So like those things are going to come off the top immediately. And then like for the players to be able to get something out of that still, I feel like is a major positive. Like, and that's what I've, I don't understand is why it's like been strewn, like been skewed to be this negative thing when it's like, man, I feel like this is a pretty significant win generally just for college sports, because I, I don't see many downsides to any of this, you know? Yeah. I think from my personal opinion, if they spent less, get this figured out as quick as possible because there's other needs to be go to go about like with employment status, with health and safety precautions and college athletics, there's way other things that they should be worried about than, you know, having a couple extra hundred dollars for these athletes for a video game. Granted, I think it's important that they're doing this. They're, they're organizing athletes. I think that's important, but I think they're putting their power and efforts and energy levels into a different path when when they should be going a different way. Yeah. There's a, there's a better way to go about it. I I don't know. I don't know what the answer to it is, but it feels like there's a, 
it should feels like there's a better way. Uh, I hope they bring back the basketball game. I feel like that one will be even harder to be able to bring back because of the sheer number of players. I mean, that's like, I mean, it's, it's a lot of guys uh, that play for the 353 or whatever it is, division one men's basketball teams. Uh, but I, I would like for them to figure out a way to be able to do that. If they can figure this out, I feel like if they can figure this out and do this in a, in a good way, then maybe that's a conversation will be had down the road. Yeah. I mean, college basketball, I guess you could say is technically have more notoriety between these players. Right. Because I mean, just from the simple physical appearance, they're not wearing helmets. They're not wearing you know pads. People recognize who they are on campus. They're more recognizable on social media. Majority of them college men's and women's have kind of a larger following just because of that. But from that aspect, I think it would make it extremely difficult to try to get every single player involved and in trying to have a fair value for some of these players because some of these players' values could be extraordinarily higher than mm-hmm. you know a bench warmer or someone that does hardly plays. Yeah, I mean, I would think there's someone who could make twenty eight thousand dollars off of this if they're on the cover. You know, yeah. like if if the game was coming out this year, Caleb Williams ob- absolutely could make that amount of money you know, Mm -hmm. and would be worth every cent of it. But it's like, I feel like to say that generally it's like, Oh, this one random NFL player that we're not going to name said that he made $28,000 off of Madden with no other context involved. Did the guy tweet about the game? Did the guy help promote the game? Was he someone that was prominently featured in the game somewhere? Like those are all the kinds of things that I feel like need to go into this conversation that make it much more than just like, well, that's not enough money we need more money and otherwise we're going to boycott this thing, you know, like there, yeah. this is a complicated conversation. I feel like. Yeah. Cause you can go different routes too. And on, on that topic, you can, if EA was smart and these college player association was smart, they would do kind of like a affiliate program where, where they get paid as they people buy the game because of them, like have a code that they put out the social media um, th- those fans or whoever, you know, uses that player's code. And if they use that player code, they get a certain amount of, you know, rake back with what, whatever they purchase within the game, or if they purchase the game alone, like there's, there's, I feel like a better route would be more tied to the actual game compared to just a simple amount off the game being released. Use promo code JBO to get an extra 10 hours of recruiting time yeah. uh, for, for $20 on, on your dynasty mode. There you go. We, we could come up with so, so much good ideas for this game, man. Like seriously, like stuff like that, that would be so great. Like building a program like that and having like an incentive. If you get, if you sign up with this player's code, like you get an extra two points on his catching rate, like something mm-hmm. like that on my player career or something like that. Like, that'd be yeah. so awesome to do. Well, and that's where like, there's going to be guys who gain a lot of notoriety from this game, just because people will play with some random team and they'll be like, man, this, this wide receiver for ball state's a dog, you know, like, and and who would have ever heard of him unless you're tuned into Maction on a Tuesday night, you know, and the only people doing that are the degenerates, the gamblers. Yep. We're opening this up to the video gamers and the gamblers. That's those are the two. There's no two greater audiences for college athletes than the gamblers and the gamers at this point. (laughs) They're going to intertwine. They're going to start gambling on video, uh, college football video games. I knew that we were down bad in 2020, that the degenerates were down bad in 2020 when they started betting on 2K Sims. Yeah. Like that, we were, we were sick at that yeah. point. Yeah. 
I bet on the weather one time. The weather? Oh, yeah. well, that's easy. Just say the opposite where the weatherman's going to say, and then you win. Your war on weathermen continues. I'm, it's not a war. They just, they're wrong. Like today, it, they said it was going to be cloudy in Okaboji, and in his pure sun, there is. Okay, well, I, I guess there might be clouds coming in. <laughs> All right, never mind. They might be right today. <laughs> they might have been right today. They might have been right today. All right, I got one more story for you, and then we'll. Uh, then we'll I do. Out. I do have one thing I need to share okay. after this okay. story. So. Okay, I got one more story here for you, and then uh, and then we'll sign we'll sign off. This comes from the Associated Press. Uh, the headline: Drug syndicate hid meth and Canadian maple syrup canola oil bound for down under. Authorities say. Oh. From Wellington, New Zealand, a drug syndicate that tried to smuggle tons of methamphetamine from Canada to Australia and New Zealand by hiding it in shipments of maple syrup and canola oil has has had its ruse busted. Authorities said Thursday. Authorities no. from the three nations say they worked together for more than five months to. Uh, whoa. Well, oh, my bad. Uh, authorities from the three nations say they worked together for more than five months to unravel the elaborate scheme that was worth billions of dollars. Authorities in New Zealand and Australia say they've made a dozen arrests and expect more to come, while Canadian authorities say they are still investigating the case and aren't yet providing all the details. Australian police say they intercepted four separate hauls of meth weighing more than six tons and filed charges against six men. They said that in January, Canadian authorities alerted them that 2,900 liters of liquid meth had been hidden in 180 bottles of canola oil bound for Australia. Uh, And then I'm trying to find where it says the thing about Okay, it says, in New Zealand, police said that the syndicate tried to hide more than three quarters of a ton of meth in a shipment of maple syrup. What do you think? Not my sweet, sticky, sweetness maple syrup. Why? Why do you have to do that to me? That's, that's my home, and we're just, we're just poisoning it with meth? What a waste. Do you think that they had it, like, actually in the maple syrup or was there some sort of way that they had masked the maple syrup or put it into some sort of like false bottle that had a different container on the inside that they could put the meth into. And then the maple syrup was around it, you know, Mm. like this is obviously an intricate thing to, to have been able to do this and to be able to transport six tons of it. So like there has to be some way that like the product inside was not compromised, or at least I would hope so. Well, what sticks out to me most is the fact this is Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. Like how hard of a job is this to get that transferred between the two countries, three countries, probably a lot, probably a lot. This is probably a a continent actually. So two countries and a continent. Yeah. This is a lot of work. There was a lot that went into this, a lot of investigation. I imagine like this is going to be a huge, I feel like there's going to be hundreds of people involved. This has to be a movie, right? The great, the great maple syrup, something, you know. And I'm gonna be at the head of it. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come out and be like the Walter White of, of it all. Yeah, the, it turns the, out you were the, you're the head, like you're the kingpin of the drug syndicate <laughs> involved with maple syrup. Maybe this is why you love maple syrup so much. That's what I'm saying. They poison my maple syrup, my sweet stickiness, sweetness. Are you sure you're not addicted to meth? I don't know. Do I look like one? Jawline's the first thing that goes, right? I mean, the mustache. Oh, no. 
Is that why I wanted to grow one? That's got to be what it is. It gives off meth head vibes. You have one. Well, it's not clean. anymore. I'm clean. I'm clean shaven. It's coming back, it's coming back in. I see that. It'll I be see back. that soul patch. Yeah, it'll, it'll be back. No, it's just a shadow. It'll be back. It'll be back. Oh, all right, man. You got anything? Oh, you said you had one more thing. I have uh, the Jared Stansberry uh, back check of the week. Oh, okay. Um, this is coming from Dylan Luft, and he said, oh. "Next time you're on Jared Stan with, with Jared Spare." Wow, let me try that again. Yeah, yeah. Next time you're on with Jared Stansberry, tell him the best eight man came eight man team came from Northwest Iowa: Armstrong, Ringstead, back-to-back oh, state runner-ups, and then back-to-back state champs. And yes, I was on those teams. Laugh a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks, J. Bo. Go Hawks. You know what? Uh what the final score was when Fremont Mills played Armstrong Ringstead in, uh, in 2012. I think actually Armstrong Ringstead did beat them one year. Um, but then Fremont Mills beat them 46 to 20 the year that Art Fremont Mills won the state championship Ooh. in the semifinals. And then they won the state championship game 80 to nothing. I will. So they outscored their two opponents at the dome, 126 to 20. That's a pretty good argument on how they're the best eight man team. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, no offense to what was his name? Dylan. He said Dylan Luft. Yeah. No offense against the Armstrong Ringstead or any of those things. I'm sure that they were great teams. I'm just saying I've only ever seen one team outscore their teams at their opponents at the dome by a hundred points. And that was them. Mm. So who's right here. I don't think we'll ever have an answer. That's the beauty of sports. <laughs> This is like the debate between who's better, LeBron or Michael Jordan. Right. I have my personal belief. Dylan has his personal belief. It sounds like his belief might be a little bit biased. I'm going to be honest. Uh, there well, might be some yours, bias behind it. Yours might be a little biased too. Mine's only biased because I knew those guys, but I, I didn't play for the team. Oh, so you're saying he's more biased because he played for the teams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's like you coming to me and saying, oh, the Hawks are better than the Cyclones. Well, yeah, I would hope that you would say the Hawks are better than the Cyclones. Well, if we want to go that route during my time, statistically wise, yes, they <laughs> But you get what I'm saying. It's like obviously Jordan Bohannon is gonna say that the, like obviously someone who went to Armstrong Ringstead is gonna say that Armstrong Ringstead was better than Fremont Mills. Okay. And obviously someone that went to your high school is gonna say their team was better too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't go to Fremont Mills. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I appreciate that he tried to fact check me and then I fact checked it right back with an exact with, I Googled it right away. I was like, no, well I got this too, but I do think Armstrong Ringstead beat Fremont Mills in 2010 and then Fremont Mills came back and beat them in 2011. So like, I'm not going to say that Armstrong Ringstead didn't have a great program. They do, you know? So, so each, each program is good. Yeah. Both programs are good. Both programs deserve credit for being uh eight man powers, but Armstrong Ring, Ringstead might be the bigger powerhouse. They could be, I suppose, but I, I was talking be. about one singular team, not the program. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. There we go. All right, man. We'll talk to you next I, week. I think we're going to do that every week. We're going to have a Jared Stansberry fact check. Of the week. I'm sure there will be something, someone along the lines will be able to, they'll come up with something that I said that was wrong somewhere <laughs> every week there. It happens all the time. Yeah. yeah one of us. I, I've accepted it at this point. All right, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Yeah. Peace. Talk to everybody again soon. Peace. Iowa everywhere.